all the amazing people watching and listening to this. Welcome to Chizuba Talks, a podcast dedicated to sharing compelling stories of hope, determination, and humanity. Here's the thing. We may talk about it, but gender equality is still a long way coming. Having said that, leaning on other strong women for encouragement plays a big role in women empowerment. And that is what the Stanley and Gunham Fund is helping achieve. Please welcome Michelle Flowers Taylor, board chair for the Stanley and Dunham Fund on Chizuba Talks today. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. The Stanley and Dunham Scholarship Fund works to empower young women to be leaders and active world citizens through education and service. Before we come to how you select candidates for this prestigious scholarship, tell us about the Stanley and Tell us about Stanley Ann Dunham. Yes, and thank you so much again for having me. Um, Dr. Stanley Ann Dunham was a leader. She was a, a ahead of her time. Um, she was an anthropologist uh, raised on uh, Mercer Island, just outside of Seattle, Washington, which is a rather small town. Um, and she actually graduated from uh, my high school. So it was interesting, I found that such a person that made a huge impact on the world grew up in this small town of less than 30,000 people in the Pacific Northwest. Um, she graduated from Mercer Island High School a year before she gave birth to our first African-American U.S. President, Barack Obama, and went on to create uh, micro economies and micro loans for women in developing countries around the world. And when I learned about her legacy and how she originated in my small town outside of Seattle, I was really impressed by how an ordinary person could really make a huge impact on the world. And so when I heard about her legacy, I immediately wanted to join and become a part of it. Yeah. How long have you been part of this organization? Yeah, I joined the board for the Stanley and Dunham Scholarship Fund um, four years ago. Um, and initially I was just a board member at that time. Um, it was actually three and a half years ago, I correct myself. My daughter was just about six months old or so. And um, so I knew I couldn't be necessarily a leader on the board, but I wanted to participate after learning about Dr. Dunham's legacy. Um, and then also learning not just about her son, Barack Obama, but learning more about her daughter, Maya Satoro Ning, who is herself an advocate for um, female leadership and empowerment. Um, she's an academic at the University of Hawaii. Um, and so when I learned more about the family and the connection to the community that I, that I know and love, I just had to be part of it. So I initially joined as just a board member. And then uh, earlier this year, I was elected to be board chair and to represent the organization. Oh, that's wonderful, right. Uh, Stanley and Dun Dr. Stanley Ann Dunham uh, is the mother of uh, Barack Obama, of course, like you said. And uh, tell us about the principles and the ethics and the values that she believed in and that you carry forward through your work in, at the institution. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Dunham leaves a legacy that um, I'd like to sum it up in three points. One, she was, she was passionate about um, female empowerment and education. 
Um, and so through her work, she um, became an anthropologist and she was studying culture and how females lead culture and how we contribute to our society. And so she was, she aimed to magnify that through her work. So female empowerment and leadership and education too. She really saw the world with a multicultural lens. Um, even as a young girl, um, after meeting her friends and learning more about how even as a teenager, she was passionate about learning and understanding people and how they interact, how people can empower each other, how we can get along better. And so a multicultural worldview is very important, was very important to her. And three, I would say her role as an advocate for economic development is unparalleled. Um, the fact that she would go to Indonesia and work with women crafts people and decide how she could really advance their work and elevate it to something that was an art. Not only that, but then to take it a step further and say this art has value so that they could be independent economically within their community, um, I think was outstanding. And doing this in the 60s when it wasn't something that people talked about readily, you know, female empowerment and economic development and all of these things and actually being on the ground and um, really making a difference. So those are the three elements of our legacy, I think, that are very important. And, and we try to, through our scholarship fund, support girls, um, female identifying um, girls and students who exemplify the legacy of Dr. Dunham in their lives today. Um, and our scholars, many of them are really change makers already in their right. And they're 16, 17 year old students who maybe, let's say for example, some of our scholars have uh, started um, community led medical um, outreach efforts or supported medical outreach efforts in their community. Um, another one of our students our graduates and scholars, she also was passionate about micro, uh, uh, marine biology. And so mm -hmm. she started a program at her school where she could um, work with um, academics already in high school, tried, you know, created this bridge between herself and university so that she could learn more about marine biology and work to um, curb the impact of um, uh, global warming on our waterways and our community. Um, there's so many examples um, of how these young girls were seeing their role as leaders already at 16 and 17 years old and looking at it not only from a selfish perspective, but from a global perspective, like how could their work and their life um, be impactful to others and be helpful to others. And so we try to encourage our students um, who we see are exemplifying the life and legacy of Dr. Dunham in their current lives now in high school. And we try to fund them so that they can support their, their work going into college and university. Yeah, true. Uh, when you say the girls need to show uh, a spark, they need to show that attitude and they need to reflect the values that uh, Dr. Dunham has uh, exemplified. These girls' uh, selection must be a huge criteria, right? I mean, there may be tens and thousands, tens and scores of children wanting to apply to the scholarship. Tell us about the scholarship first, the amount, what does it support, and what is the process of applying for the scholarship? Sure.
currently our our fund is growing. Um, so we have historically we started off giving a thousand dollars a student, um, really just to be a token to encourage them to continue to explore their interests. And we've grown now um, in recent years to five thousand dollars a student, um, and they can use that toward their university. Um, education in whatever manner they wish, whether that's going right to tuition or whether they would wish to spend that um, that money on books over the course of their university career or housing. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of leave it at this point open. Um, we initially started funding students from um, the alma mater, which um, Dr. Dunham graduated from, which was Mercer Island High School. We still mm -hmm. fund scholars from Mercer Island High School, but last year we grew to include two additional schools in the Seattle area, one um, being Rainier Beach um, and also Chief Self, um, which was named after the namesake for Seattle. Um, Seattle is his Angla, it's an anglicized version of Self, but um, Chief Self was the um, founder of the city of Seattle, essentially. So we now have grown from one high school to three high schools, um, Mercer Island High School, Chief South, and Rainier Beach. And we're looking to grow um, statewide and eventually nationally um, and to continue to expand the, the fund through fundraising efforts so we can give more um, resources to students who are exemplifying the legacy of Dr. Dunham. So this is one student you're talking about or you give uh, you know multiple students the scholarship? multiple students, I should clarify. So last year we gave um, scholarship funds to two students from each of the three schools that we represent. So we had six scholars. Um, and each year we have hundreds of applicants um, and we base our, um, our award on academic performance, but we also lean on letters of recommendation and their volunteer experience and the, the um, organizations they've led. Um, and we try to find alignment with the legacy of Dr. Dunham um, students who are looking to advance female empowerment and leadership and education, students who have a multicultural worldview in the work and the school studies that they're pursuing, that they pursued and wish to pursue, and then also um, looking for students who actually have an eye on um, female empowerment and economic development. Um, an example of that was uh, one student wished to start um, an organization whereby you could um, address the needs of African-American families who um, couldn't fund their, um, the healthcare costs of their, their children. So like mm -hmm. this is an, an idea that I think that Dr. Dunham would applaud um, and would appreciate as well as the other ideas and organizations and efforts that our scholars have advanced. And again, I have to reiterate, these are young ladies. I mean, these are, they're not even adults yet. So for them to be, you know, just, late teenagers thinking about how they can impact the world and then acting on it, I think is something that um, we always look to applaud and encourage and inspire through our fund. Right. Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employees' experience at your organization or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision, 
a vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Jazuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. I'm sure that recognition also motivates students to do more or to uh, push themselves to want to do something for the community as well. But do you also monitor uh, or keep these students accountable uh, in the years that come? I mean, today you've given uh, this scholarship, then in a couple of years, do you check on them whether they are actually following what goals you have kept for them? We try to do that, yes. Um, we are a volunteer board of 10 members and we're small but mighty and we're growing. and it's a relatively new fund. It's been around less than 10 years. Um, and in, in, a, in the beginning, I will admit that we initially was just applying, spun, uh, applying funds to their university um, experience. But more recently, we've launched um, mentorship through workshops with Dr. Maya Sotero-Ning. She's come and done mentorship workshops with the students um, so that they can help really fine tune and prepare themselves for their academic experience to come. Um, we stay in contact with our students. Um, it's my goal as a board chair also to create a more formalized mentorship process so that mm -hmm. we can track them um, more um, deliberately um, in the years to come. The university experience comes and goes very quickly. Four years comes and goes very quickly. Um, we do wish to create a more formal process by which we can track them upon graduation so that they can be um, in the future, perhaps near peer um, mentors to the next scholars that come through. But that's something that's in development for the future. Okay. And uh, how many students have benefited so far? Um, I'm going to look at, we've had over 60 scholarships and in the time um, that we've had the fund. And so that's 60 lives that we've impacted. And I think Absolutely. I would like to think we've impacted their families as well. I'm sure you have. And I'm sure these women have gone on to uh, be change makers. I'm sure they already are change makers. That's beautiful. They are change makers. In fact, some of the students I would say were change makers before we even met them, but <laughs> many of them were. So we're fortunate. And I would say every year when we have our award ceremony, um, it is truly inspiring to hear what these young ladies have already done. I mean, there's so many examples. Um, they started businesses while they were in university. Um, one young lady, her family was a, a family of entrepreneurs. She, they had a convenience store and then in university, she, she created her own business as well. Um, and um, there's just so many examples. Um, other students who didn't think they could um, pursue college, they might've been first generation university students and for them, this fund, although small, $5,000 might be small, but it was really um, a vote of confidence for them. And um, it led to them 
having the confidence to reach out and apply for additional funding, you know, and so that's, that's critical, particularly for first generation students who are trying to sort their way through a process that maybe is unfamiliar to their family. So to have any encouragement, they've, they've voiced to us, any encouragement was really welcome because it gave them um, really a, a green light to, to go ahead and pursue their dreams. So it, that's been a very, very um, beneficial part of the process as well, I would say. Yeah. So can we say that all the 60 lives that you have impacted uh, are all onto the trajectory of uh, progress? Or do you have some, I mean, I'm just asking, it's a general, uh, genuine question. Do you also see sometimes uh, a particular student perhaps not living up to the expectations? I would say yes and no to that question. Um, we try to encourage them to set their own expectations. They're clearly leaders already, and that's why we've selected them. And they're leading in a way that we we identify and 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 we can appreciate. Um, there have been a couple instances where girls maybe said they wanted to do certain things, and uh, life and circumstances got in the way. Um, and I can give you certain examples about that. But instead of doing that, I would say we don't want to ever convey to them that we're disappointed because we're not. Instead of conveying that. What we've tried to do is in the in the those few very few instances like maybe one or two instances where students you know veered off the course that they themselves have charted um, we have offered support and continue to stay in touch with them to see how we can readjust their goals and expectations you know mm -hmm. sometimes when students go to university they realize wait a minute this isn't what i want to do right, right? or this. sometimes right or sometimes they might other circumstances might interfere like um, health needs in a family or you know a crisis at home and so sometimes they, they've had a couple of students have had to put on pause um, their university studies but even in those cases those two students they um, would continue to stay in touch with us and let us know how things were going and then in, in the two cases that I can think of both university students went back and were able to even though they paused for a time they were able to um, return to their studies. So I think that's that's huge because life throws you curveballs and nothing is ever a straight line, right? So in right. life. So the fact that um, we've been able to maintain that contact with them because we're small and we can be very personal in our relationship with the students, I think that is a very unique aspect of our our fund like some larger funds you know maybe give more money but they may only be looking at things as a checkbox well did you do this at this time did you do this at that time and then that might jeopardize their funding but we've never done that we've never said to a student well you said you would do something and you're doing something different we need our money back we've never said that we've often offered them um, opportunities to course correct or really reassess what it is that they really most want to do and when they want to do it um, and I think that's kind of a benefit that we offer students. Um, we're here to encourage. We're not, we're not here to discourage. We're our main and, and main goal um, with the fund is really to encourage students to excel in ways that they define. Um, because they've already excelled, we're just here to be encouraging for the next level, the next stage of the journey. I think you explained it very well, Michelle. 
uh, encouraging the students, whoever is not, you know, sticking to their path. Um, let me ask you about the board that selects these students. Uh, are they an all women board or uh, are they, do you have men also on the board? Initially, we've, we had female and male board members. Interestingly, we find ourselves now with an all female board. <laughs> I think it's the first time in our history. Um, the initial board members were actually friends of Dr. Dunham. Um, so they were her classmates. And um, so there were male, female people that knew and loved her and respected her. Um, and over time, they've graduated, you know, on to heaven. They've passed away, many of them. Um, and other individuals have been, you know, invited to join the board based upon their life's work, their interest, and their ability to support the mission of the organization. And um, they have been sometimes male, sometimes female. Um, we find ourselves at a time now where it's just coincidentally all female, but we are looking for more board members and we do not um, recruit based on gender or gender identity. We recruit based on uh, alignment with the board's mission, our focus mm -hmm. area, and one's desire to serve. Um, and so we don't look at gender at all. It's just a coincidence that we all happen to be female yeah, at this okay. time. I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> uh, when you say, actually, you know, what we hear generally is uh, women are the reason for women not going ahead. And sometimes you hear this argument that men are the people who don't allow women to go ahead. So what do you think? You know, it's a really good question. And I wonder that a lot myself. Um, having worked in academia, having worked as a military consultant, having worked in the arts, I've seen both. I've seen circumstances personally where it's females that don't allow females to get ahead and sometimes males who feel threatened by women who wish to get ahead. I don't know if it can be that clean. I'm not sure I could answer that like it's either one or the other. I think it's it's a it's a bit of both and personally i would say when an individual be it a young person or anybody in their career is looking for mentorship um and guidance and support you should look for people be it male or female who show not say but who show a true desire and an interest in in you and the work you wish to do. And that person may look like you, that person may not look like you, that person could be the same gender or a different gender. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you really should look at people's actions and the way they've shown you that they support you and encourage you and, and call you higher. Um, I've never been fond of the phrase that you can only be what you see. I don't think that's true. Otherwise we would never have people doing, you know, pursuing careers that aren't, you know, you know, that aren't unique, you know, the, like the first female astronauts, if they said, you can't see it, you won't be it, they would never have pursued, you know, <laughs> so I think it's important personally to um, really align yourself with people who show they support you and encourage you. And you might be surprised, they may not look anything like you. 
and they may not be your background or gender, but just mm -hmm. you know, hold on tight to those people who've shown you that they support you. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's agree. I agree with that. But how, how, do, how important do you think is criticism? Uh, how important is it to give criticism and how important is it to accept criticism in the right spirit? I think it's critical. I think it's critical. Um, and sometimes I've noticed in this younger generation, they've grown up, well, at least in the States, um, where everyone's a winner and, you know, in sports, everyone gets a trophy. Exactly. And so yeah. that's a problem in my mind because um, then you get out in the world and when you receive criticism, some people just crumble. There's, they've never experienced that because they've been told their whole life, they're great, they're perfect, they're amazing. Um, so that's, you know, that's not healthy. On the flip side, too much criticism will, you know, it squash your energy and your in interest in pursuing risks and that, but I think it's a mix of, of both. Um, um, and more importantly, building in young people a foundation where they can be confident and hear and receive information and be critical thinking enough to accept things so they don't crumble, you know, to build resilience and, and critical yeah, thinking skills. So they can a good mix of everything uh, is what is key to uh, bringing up healthy, uh, stable individuals. Yes, wonderful. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I have read uh, Mary Wollstonecraft and um, she has said this in this uh, book called A Vindication of the Rights of Women. She says that women are not naturally inferior to men, but appear to be only because they lack education. So I think your uh, organization is doing a great job in making sure that education is not the reason that women would feel inferior. If it is anything else, uh, that they need to work on. It is perhaps, you know, maybe attitude or uh, moral values or ethics or anything else, but definitely not education. So you are making sure that women get the education. And um, I'm sure uh, you are empowering women uh, who are change makers and who really are out to make a difference in the world. Thank you, Michelle, for a wonderful talk. Uh, I love the way you shared your ideas about criticism, about women empowerment, about uh, how a woman needs to be in her own element to be able to make a change within herself and outside as well. Thank you very much for being on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate the work your organization is doing, uplifting NGOs and organizations and um, I think we need more organizations like Chizuba. Thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this podcast. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure talking to you. All right, everybody. And that is Michelle Flowers-Taylor for you for uh, the Dr. Stanley and Dunham Fund. And uh, she is doing a great job bringing out these wonderful women into the world and making them confident and giving them much-needed boost that the girl needs. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.
Thank you.